Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Everything Went Black podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, Ryan Patterson, my old friend, uh, has come on to talk about his new band, Photo Crime. Ryan and I go back like two decades. Um, I met Ryan back in the late 90s. Uh, when my old band, Anodyne, was touring, uh, he was the guy who put our first show ever on in Louisville. And, uh, or actually, it wasn't our first show ever, but it was the first time we actually played Louisville. Ryan was behind that. So we've been uh, friends for a really long time, and um, yeah, I've been a supporter of all of his musical endeavors. And Photo Crime, I'm no less excited about that. Before we get going, I wanted to uh, thank Dallas, our newest Patreon subscriber. Um, thank you very much. And a couple, there's, there's actually a nice little group of people forming. And um, I'll be getting some stuff out to you guys uh, now that we actually have a little group of people together. Um, you know, some of the benefits will start kicking in. And if uh, you want to support the podcast for as little as $1 a month, you can support Everything Went Black. If you go to everythingwentblackmedia.com, up the top you'll see a button, support the podcast via Patreon. And all the details will be laid out for you there. I mean, there's different benefits, different levels of involvement. Um, it's all laid out on the Patreon website. And um, also on Facebook, I have the Patreon link uh, pinned to the top of our Facebook page. Just want to give a quick rundown of the affiliate sponsors. Um, as always, we have on it. If you're interested in uh, checking out the exercise equipment um, or if you're interested in the MCT oil, and uh, both of those things I'm a regular user of. You can go to the website, everythingwentblackmedia.com, and you'll find banners. Click through the banners, um, put in your order, and I get a tiny little percentage of that. Uh, next up on our list of affiliates is Datsusara. If you're into hemp products, Datsusara is a great company. I've got a bunch of their different things, so um, you know, support the cause buy something uh, made out of hemp and, uh, you know, and enjoy. If another way of helping out the podcast is just tell your friends, spread the word. If you enjoy the podcast, let your friends know about it. Um, always looking for new members. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome to become a listener and enjoy the podcast. Another way you can help out is by leaving a review on iTunes, star rating, written review, whatever. If you want to get at me, you can email me, mike.hill at everythingwentblackmedia.com. I'm also on Twitter, at MikeHillHQ. Facebook, there's an Instagram, Mike underscore Hill underscore Primate. And, um, you know, there's a variety of different things I talk about on there. Last but not least, this podcast is brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee. Go to savagegoldcoffee.com, and if you're into coffee... There's all kinds of stuff there that's waiting for you. All right, cool. So I'm real excited to have you on, Ryan. Um, you know, it seems, you know, now that everyone's doing their own thing, you know, it seems like uh, it's harder and harder to get chances to talk. And sometimes you have to organize an interview to actually talk to your friends these days. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, coincidentally, the 7-inch actually just showed up, like, literally today. So it's, oh, great. Uh, very Excellent. very timely and um yeah so I'm, I'm, I'm once again thanks for sharing the uh, the mp3s of me earlier and uh yeah so the new the new band photo crime it's um to me it makes sense 
because uh, having followed what you were doing in Coliseum and knowing you personally, um, you know, the, the step that you're taking with photo crime makes a lot of sense. So from the, the end of Coliseum to, um, to now, like, what was that process like? I, it was it was kind of streamlined, but also a little bit um, like anything. It wasn't exactly a, a straight line, you know. There were some kind of ups and downs. Coliseum finished our last tour um, like August of 2015, and we had done all sorts of stuff through that tour where we kind of felt like it was time to try something entirely new or maybe just put it to rest. So, yeah, uh, you know, by the end, I think we were like, it was kind of like signed with this manager we'd spoken to who was really cool, but didn't really have the same ideas as us or put the band to rest. So we, we kind of took a break and, and thought about it. We had one more show booked that fall and immediately I started writing music that wouldn't be Coliseum music because I was energized to, keep doing something and I initially I kind of had it as as a solo record idea like more of a solo artist vibe than than what you know what photo crime became um like really influenced by Mark Lanigan stuff and Mm -hmm. uh Sparkle Horse and a lot of things like that like these kind of like solo people that have a lot of electronic elements so I was writing a lot of that shit and then the Coliseum played our, our what ended up being our last show in November 2015 in Chicago. On that trip, we decided like this, yeah, this is going to be it. And so then I started going back to writing a lot more, but I just couldn't really get out of my head. You know, I was thinking too much about how it would be perceived and where it would sit in the world, and you know that kind of thing. So it was kind of fucking me up, and I, uh, I would just have a lot of false starts and, and I got a lot of songs written and then when I started to sing on them it just wasn't feeling right vocally you know it was just kind of like I really wanted whatever I did next to be really uh, comfortable with my voice and I was definitely not there yet so um, yeah so there, there were like many months where I, I, I was kind of just working on stuff here and there but not really getting into it and then a friend of mine uh Will Allard, who uh, was in Whip's Chains with me and uh, was in the band Xerxes, he kind of joined up with me, and that was that was when photo crime really started happening because I had someone to work with, and even though he wasn't bringing material in, it was like there was a scheduled practice, you know, it was kind of regimented, and then I really got into the, the groove of it, and, and the, finally, like the sound kind of came together, and Will pretty quickly bowed out because he just I don't know if he wasn't into it or it was just I was too serious about it but by that time I was full steam ahead so for all the rest of last year I was just fucking writing like non-stop and uh, then at the beginning of this year went to Baltimore to record a bunch of material with Jay Robbins and then as soon as I got back from that pressed the 7 inch found people to play with me and that was it the band was band was there so you recorded more material than the four songs that are on the seven inch yeah so there's uh i recorded 13 songs oh, wow. and with the idea of it being a full length and then a, a you know a, a first ep so we picked 
three songs for the seven inch and uh so yeah i have 10 songs which is an album that's you know i'm kind of you know looking for a home for now kind of working toward that um and the three songs on the seven inch kind of specifically i mean especially always hell which is you know the seven inch in my mind is very much like classic single with a couple of b-sides and i I dig the b-sides but it was more about this this one song kind of being the, the focus and uh it was picked because it seemed to have the most connective tissue to coliseum or you know at least the later coliseum material yeah to me that's what i mean it's um I mean, Coliseum was a band for what over ten years. I think you got that was a was that was that yeah, the duration yeah, of the band? 12, 12, twelve years, yeah, yeah. And um, throughout that twelve-year duration, there's been definitely eras of like, all right, cool, this is what the band's doing this now. Then there's like some lineup changes, and then a, you know a more a sort of you know not like the older material was any more le- more or less developed, but it was like an evolution meaning that things were changing and um you know and so this next step of photocrime to me doesn't the stuff that i've heard so far the songs on the seven inch don't seem like that much of a departure more like maybe a refinement of what you're doing towards the end of coliseum yeah in some ways i agree i mean i i don't i don't know that this is what coliseum would have written because the inherent sound of a band is just a bit more um bit bigger you know and coliseum always even when we were trying to be kind of softer was always had a kind of a, a thicker you know meatier kind of sound so but i i think it's it's along the same vibes of, of what i was into you know i mean it's yeah. the same kind of stuff that i'm influenced by mm-hmm. certainly so the recording process were you by yourself or do you have other people playing on the record it's all just me yeah so just okay. uh yeah and sequence drums or yeah, so it's all programmed in sequence drums. And so I demoed everything at home and then took everything to, to flew to Jay's studio in Baltimore and for a couple of weeks. And so we, all the drum programming was done and all the, uh, all the synth and keys and all that was done. So, so I, I used all the, because all that shit's pretty much like direct, you know, recorded. Yeah. So, um, so in Jay's studio, we did guitars, bass, some keys, vocals, mixing, and then we would do, you know, some rearranging and some things like that, and, and then all the mixing. So uh, it was kind of interesting, like to to just not, you know, there were like there's no drums, and you're in the studio with this amazing live room, and it was kind of funny because we were pretty much in the control room the whole time. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was kind of wild, like a really different experience. What do you use for the drum sequencing? Did you have a drum machine or use some of the software that's out there? I use a software uh, program that's like really, really remedial. And uh, I don't I don't really like, I try, I've tried to program with MIDI, you know, but it, within the, the recording software, I never really liked that. Uh, so, um, and so this really, you know, cheap, crappy, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say crappy, but pretty cheap and basic program that I use. and uh, Because I also want to keep things sounding like a drum machine. You know, I don't re- I'm not trying to replicate human playing or, or fool anybody. I still want it to have 
some of that classic drum machine repetitiveness and, and like inherent, uh, you know, like, like not, not drawbacks, but you know, like the things that are kind of inherent to that, that make it sound a little more rigid. So that, that's what I tried to go for. Yeah. With drum machines, the draw, the, the beats always on, you know what I mean? There isn't like that right. weird human drift quality though. And you're playing with a real, with a, an actual drummer, you know, it's like this very, very like, you know, regimented, always on the beat type of vibe. And, you know, and the whole genres of music have developed as a result of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when the live setting, I see, you know, I follow you on Instagram and all that. And I see you guys were out on tour with, um, with Russian circles, right? Yeah. I mean, it was just a, just a weekend, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, a few shows. So yeah. who's performing in the band live? So live, um, Nick Thieneman, who's been in Young Widows, is in Young Widows, and Breathe the Resist. He plays guitar in uh, in Photocrime, and a woman named Shelly Anderson plays bass, and she's uh, she's in another band here in town called Brenda, kind of like an indie pop garage kind of band. So, uh, you know, Nick's like been my friend forever, and he and I are in a, another band called Black God, a kind of side project thing. So, uh, he, Brian from Russian circles actually wrote me when I was in the studio and said, Hey, this new thing, you want to come play these shows with us? So, uh, it was great because it gave me a deadline to say, okay, I've got to be ready by this time. And so Nick was like the first person I asked, um, just said, Hey, you want to play bass? And he said, yes. But then he had he used to play guitars and bands before doing all these bands with my brother. So he, he asked to play guitar and I said that was fine and, and Shelly is also a person who is a guitar player initially but has kind of taken the bass so she she took off the bass because I'd, I'd seen her play and thought she was great um, so it was really great I mean they both just kind of jumped on board and, and were gung-ho with it and um, you know it's interesting doing something that is not really a band in the traditional sense and you're asking people to come and play your stuff and play it more or less exactly as you played it or as you want it and uh you know it's a uh, i get a little weird like i don't really like to tell people what to do you know in life yeah. so uh that's like a little bit interesting but it's been great like they're really on board i think they're both really stoked on it so uh i think initially i, I envisioned photocrime as being more of a fluid lineup and that's not to say that it won't be but Right now, I'm really happy with with them and stoked that they're involved. And still, uh, drum machine live, right? No, you didn't actually have a drum. Yes, live. yeah, drum machine live. I I got these two huge powered PA speakers, like two fifteens and a horn. Uh-huh. Got two of those because we didn't want to rely on, you know, the sound, whatever the sound may be. You know, if you play a DIY show, you might just have a vocal PA. If you play a a club show, you might have monitors, but as we all know, you know, you're lucky if you get monitors to work for your vocals, you know, to try to put like, you know, synth and, and drums and all this shit through, through monitors is kind of scary. So we wanted that, we wanted that power on stage, like to really have these two monoliths that, that really kind of shake us on stage. And, um, so yeah, I got those. They're very intimidating. They're like, you know, just big <laughs> like when something when a piece of gear is like too big for you to move on your own it's, it's kind of uh a little overwhelming but uh they worked out really well well you know you and evan have always been like 
whenever I see any, you know, your bands or Evan's bands, you guys always have a ton of stuff on stage. So I expect no less that you're going to have like these massive cabinets on stage. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to, to slim down like with Coliseum, but well, for a long time I was using three amps on stage and, you know, dealing with heads and, and amps separately, heads and cabs separately and plugging in speaker cables and all this shit. I was like, okay, just ready to use a combo, which I'm, I'm doing in photocrime, but then I've got a combo and then these two fucking PA speakers and a mixer for those <laughs> and a small synth and, uh, you know, that the thing I'm using to, to trigger all the samples and shit. And so it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I'm just bound. I'm like, will always be stuck with using a bunch of, of stuff on stage because I don't know, I, I find it interesting and it's fun and it's, I like, I like thinking about signal path, you yeah. know, in, in that way. And, uh, but yeah, it's funny cause I, I've always been trying to over the years get away from that, like multiple full stack thing we were doing, when we were younger, but it's kind of like you just move from that into something else. There's still a million cables <laughs> to plug in all the time. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> I, I actually like kind of leaned down my my setup on stage. The last tour we did, I just used half stacks actually. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. Like, you have less stuff to like move around, and you know, it's a little less stressful. You know, being on like a multiple band package, you just kind of move your stuff on and off the stage. It's a little easier. You know, absolutely. I, I mean, just the nature of of taking up space in vans and and all that stuff. It's just it's fun for sure, but like it ultimately like you realize it's just the, the music you're making that counts and it's not all the crap you're you're lugging around. So with uh with the synths, um on the recording, are you actually playing analog synths? Or is it once again like you yes. know more or a combination of software and analog or you know I'm always interested no, in hearing not. that. Okay. You know, it's always been a like what whenever I hear a synth, I'm like fascinated by like what equipment is actually used to produce that sound so so what, what do you use on the record uh yeah it's all actual synthesizers uh, there's no software it's kind of like how i feel about even though i am using a software for the drums synths are so tactile because mm -hmm. you're moving the knobs and you know they feel they're really interesting because they're they're so different from playing a guitar or something because there's so many elements and, and, you know, filters and, and, you know, all that shit. So I really don't like messing around with a synth on a computer or, 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 you know, phone or whatever, because I don't like to not be able to turn multiple knobs, you know, with my hands and things like that. I hate clicking on a knob and turning it. So, yeah, so I've got, um, handful of things nothing crazy i have a, a moog sub 37 i have an aturia mini brute um a kind of like low line roland generic digital synth um then i have like an old 90s um oh, i'm spacing on the name right now but just a, a big 64 key 90s keyboard that has a lot of kind of antiquated sounds and then uh, an old Roland module, which is you plug in a keyboard via MIDI to it, and it has a lot of, it's like maybe late 80s, early 90s, and it also has like a lot of kind of sounds of, of pads and strings that are kind of typical of the time. So it's, I mean, it's nothing like 
too crazy, but it's, I like that. I like pulling those things out and, and kind of tuning the sound in versus, uh, versus software with that stuff. Now, do you take all this stuff out on the road or do you, do you like, you mentioned triggering and stuff like that. So how do you manage that stuff on, on a live setting? No, I'm just taking, uh, the Arturia mini brute on tour because it's the smallest, it's an analog synth. And, um, I used it for the last many years of Coliseum. Um, but I'm, most of the stuff is, is with the, the drum tracks. Um, and all that is, is being played from a, a jam man stereo pedal, which you can load samples into. And it's, it's seemed to me to be the most, uh, solid and basic thing where it's basically has toggle up and down and then stop and start. I didn't want to have a computer on stage. Just, that's just not really a vibe I'm into generally. And, um, and I didn't want to like start and stop the songs with my hands. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, no, you know, totally, I, didn't, dude. I didn't want like to see my finger fly down and go, bump, you know, hit his song. Like I kind of wanted that to be a little more, uh, on the ground. So, yeah, but you know, it's funny. I mean, we played these three shows and, and I pulled out the synth, the Arturia when I got home and it, I have a nice case for it and stuff. And a key was broken. I don't know how just moving around after a show. So, you know, bringing something that's like three or four times more expensive than that and bigger, I just know it would get broken. Yeah. I just, those things just don't seem to be ready for the road. You know, they just, they won't last. So. I'm just not going to bring them out. Yeah, I used to have one of those Jam Man pads too. I mean, those uh, stuff okay. pedals. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. I I have um, it's like an Electro Harmonics has like a, a similar thing too. There's all kinds okay. of little little toys you can use to to run, you know, electronics these days. It's pretty cool. I, I'm not, I, I'm reluctant to you know lug a laptop out on the stage too. But you know, that's how a lot of people do it these days as well. So. Yeah, just that vibe is different with that screen, you know, and just, yeah, I, I, I follow it completely. Yeah, like, this, it's weird. It's that more than anything, it's the light from the screen that yeah. turns me off. Like, especially if the, the, the stage is dark and the vibe is dark and there's this little screen, it, it just, I can't handle it. And the last time I saw Wire, actually, uh, um, two of them, Colin Newman and uh, bass player, forgetting his name right now but both of them had ipads on little stands kind of like next to their their microphones and, and the last song they kind of did like a noise jam where they just ran their fingers around the ipad and i just wasn't feeling it <laughs> you know like i have no problem with backing tracks or anything that's like synthetic on stage at all but i still think there needs to be an element of presentation to it and and mystery and uh just something other than just seeing somebody fuck around on their phone like we do that all fucking day and you see that all day and the last thing i want to do is come on stage and do that in front of people or watch somebody do that it just just takes me out of the moment yeah i agree with you on that too i'm i'm like reluctant reluctant to uh to embrace that that sort of step you know what i mean which is like a lot of people are just taking that as okay, well, this is just the next phase of what we do on stage. And I'm just like, I'm resisting it, you know? Yeah, it's not for me. So playing the songs with like a full band now, um, now has, do you, when it's time to make another recording, do you think you're going to 
have these guys play or, or someone play on the record? Or are you going to you know handle it all by yourself again? You know, I hadn't really decided. I, I just started writing some more stuff, and I already have, you know, like I said, I already have this album that's finished. But um, we're going on tour in June and July, and we're having some hard time with a couple dates, and we were kind of near Baltimore, and I texted Jay and said, hey, if we've got this day off, do you have this date open? Can we just come in and do some stuff? And he was like, yeah, I have the date. So I just booked a day to go in and record two or three songs in the middle of tour, and definitely nick and shelly will play on it you know i'm not gonna yeah <laughs> i'm not gonna like so you guys just hang out while i'm you know fucking around here but um so i think all that just remains to be seen i'm, I'm trying to not get too ahead of myself with the band um you know i i do think that as of now everything will be written solely by me um that's not to insult them because they're great players and I'm sure they have great ideas that I won't have, but uh, that's just how I want it to be right now. And I think that the vision of what the band is doing is, is mine. And uh, I'm not really wanting at this point to like take other elements in, you know, it's like, I, I have a thing I'm trying to do and um, you know, I, I'm happy for them to, to be part of, executing that but I, i'm still kind of holding on tightly to to the creation of the of the songs and you know so um but everything else i'm just kind of letting it go and see i mean that's i think that's for a new band i'm trying to not get really far ahead of myself and one of the things that kind of wore me out with coliseum was this constant planning far ahead and and uh expectations and and uh you know, things that, that had to happen or that I wanted to happen and all this stuff where with this, I'm trying my hardest, especially cause it's entirely new and most people don't even know it exists is to just take it step by step and enjoy each bit of the process and not worry so much about this long term thing, which, which happens as you know, happens when you've been in a band for a fucking long time. You just, every every bit of what i ever did in the history of coliseum was was in my mind and on my shoulders at all times and i'm happy to let that go and just take this as it comes yeah i can relate to that man that's actually the attitude i had when i started doing tombs too man it's like you know i'd been in bands before that and um you know, I was, yeah, I'm going to say that I was probably disappointed a little bit by some of the things that did not happen with those bands. So when I started a new band, I just wanted to keep this like objectivity about, um, you know, just kind of do something that I wanted to do and I'm happy with the music and, and just see where it goes. And I think that that gave me a lot more like, you know, sort of peace and like when you have... And when you don't have expectations, I kind of feel like things tend to tend to happen, you know, pretty quickly. Right. It's, you know, it's a positive. It's all it's all positive then. You know, if something good happens, then it's better than. Oh yeah, well, I didn't really expect anything to happen anyway. So, yeah. Have you been able to maintain that as the band has no. existed for? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I mean, you know, that's we've been a band for like ten years at this point, and or it's right. actually it's not even really a band. Comes now that you right. mention it, it's really just me hacking away by myself but with various people in and out but uh but you know it's um 
I still try to be in this mind space of I'm just happy that I can go out and make a record and go on the road and people care enough, you know, and just feel fortunate for that because, you know, I'm in that phase of my life where a lot of people are just kind of like not doing this anymore, you know, or they're not able to do it anymore. So I just feel happy to be, you know, more or less relevant with what I'm doing. So that's that's what kind of keeps me like in this sort of, you know, a little bit more of a objective state, you know. Yeah. But it's hard, you know. I mean, now it's great. This is the best part of the being in a band, I think, is like the beginning where you're like, you know, it's this new thing. You're really excited. You're you're very prolific in, in the, you know, the writing phases and there are no expectations, you know, and that that's awesome, you know. So the set the seven inches was um, self released, so was yes. that you know was there a specific um, you know idea behind this decision making or you know what was your your, your mindset on that? Um, mainly it was uh, I just didn't have patience to wait for somebody else. Uh, you know you're starting something new and I don't want to go to the obvious places. Uh, and ask the same people that have put out my records forever to do stuff. You know, I'm trying to kind of start with a clean slate and, and with a new new perspective. So I didn't want to just follow along in Coliseum's footsteps or have this be just Coliseum continued except just me, you know, because that just seemed that's not what I wanted to do and not what it is. So I didn't ask any of the people that I've worked with before. I asked a, a few labels that I really like that, um, put out records that I like if they wanted to do it there are people that I don't really know or just know a little bit and uh, you know and didn't, none of them were either interested or able or whatever so um, really quickly I was just like fuck it I'm just gonna do it myself I'm not gonna sit around and wait for approval you know and uh, just wanted it to happen I wanted I wanted the band to exist quickly and be tactile quickly and not go through those steps that you go through usually when you start a band which is you get some people together you work on some songs for months you play some local shows you know I, I, I didn't want to kind of do that slow ramp up I just kind of wanted to start at you know of course not like you're not starting at the top of the ladder but at least starting like a middle rung where I'm kind of like alright this is something that exists it's, it's here it's a band it's fully formed and bam I'm starting from here and so far, all that's worked out. I mean, I I wanted someone early on to to be involved with me and, and like the back end. And uh, I found a manager who's like really stoked and, and awesome, and, and she's doing a great job. And we have like very similar vision for what we want the band to be. And uh, there's just so much from Coliseum that I learned in terms of like our successes and failures and, and the things that became a real struggle for me. And I. You know, I hope, you know, like you're saying, you hope to avoid those those pitfalls if you can. Certainly, it's impossible and you can't control everything. But I just kind of wanted to start uh, with a, a really clear perspective and with like a, a solid foundation right from the get go. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the thing, you know, and then it's just nice. It's nice to put out your own record. Every To me, every record is an art project. Like, I mean, I've always done something tactile that, that I worked on myself with records, whether it's designing them or putting in neat things with, with pre-order packages or, or, 
or whatever special little fucking merch trinkets that, that we liked and um i kind of wanted this to be the same way like uh have it be coming directly from me and and uh just get it going quickly so that's what i did yeah and also these days it's like real it's a lot easier now to get your material out there like via Bandcamp and all these other platforms so i mean you it know. is but I, I feel like those things at least in my experience it seems like that's throwing throwing a penny into the ocean it's so hard you can get it out there but i think to get people to care and pay attention it's still difficult at least at least with with things i've done yeah yeah i mean obviously um the most important thing is getting out there in front of people you know but, right but if you're going to do it on your own um having that you know you go out there and you tour and you play in front of some people they can at least it's easier to make it available to them once they know about you the band for sure you know absolutely i mean i, I mean i'm under no illusion that you know you put some on Bandcamp and without any kind of uh, effort, you know, the, the cash starts rolling in because there's multitudes of other people doing the same exact thing that, you know, probably don't really tour or they have these little bedroom projects that they do and they just put them up on Bandcamp and there's this glut of just sheer volume of stuff that probably shouldn't be fully realized that's out there. And it's equal to something that's a little bit more serious and developed, you know, and that's like, the, I guess, the downside of this digital explosion of content, you know? Absolutely. So this is funny. I'm sorry, go ahead, man. Speak, speaking of that, like, when I was looking for a band name, you know, I'd come up with a million names of, like, references to movies or books that I loved, and, I mean, every fucking thing is taken, and you go and you're like, oh, this should be a band name, and, and you look, and it's, somebody has a band camp and put two songs up, three years ago and it looks like no one ever listened to them. They have that name. You know, yeah, no, totally. that, that to me is really funny. Like it, it's, it, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it kind of is like, shouldn't you have, shouldn't you have some qualifications before you can kind of hoard this, this bit of creative idea? Yeah. I think that like, it'd be really cool if you, you, if you weren't active, like you had to like, you know, earn your name and then maintain it. It's like if you were like a, like the welterweight champion or something like that, and you had to constantly defend having your name. <laughs> that would be kind it's of an true. interesting way to do it, you know. Well, you guys haven't toured in like six years, so we're going to take that name away from you. You know, we've right. done a record in like, you know, 20 years or whatever, so you, you can't be called Black Sabbath anymore, you know. That would be kind of funny. Well, it's funny because along those lines, there's a, a band from Brazil, I think, South America, somewhere called, called Coliseum, spelled the exact same way, and they're record is out on like a Polish label, I think. And so we got a couple, you know how people online just tag things. They don't look at what it is. And we got a couple things with Coliseum where we were tagged in this band's shit. And I, I contacted that label and I, and I don't think they had the record out yet. And I just said, Hey, you know, I see the record's not out yet. And we have this name. We're a band. We've been a band for a long time. We've done shit on labels, you know, like this is us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this isn't cool. Like, could you, would you guys figure out some plan B? And the label was just kind of like, you know, in, in so many words, just like, fuck you, you know, we don't care. Uh, kept giving me, uh, I don't know these bands. I guess there was a band called The Shining and another band called Shining. Yeah, there's, there's like, yeah, there's two bands. One, they're okay. black metal bands, you know. 
okay. So he, and he said that, you know, those two worked it out. So I should work it out. And I was like, I don't give a fuck about them. You know, yeah, totally. this is my band name. Like, you know, this is not cool. And, and, uh, and he was just like, whatever. And his, he basically ended with, you know, let's just see who, who the Coliseum is that people know or something like that, you know, like earn it. And I'm like, I, I fucking earned it. You know, it's, it's here. Um, and then you're just like, whatever. And every once in a while, someone sends me a text of like that other band Coliseum's record next to ours and Spotify. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, if that band potentially has the internet because they're on a label from, from Poland and they certainly in the easiest bit of time could have searched Coliseum band on the internet and, and found us. Um, but obviously just didn't give a fuck. So things like that are interesting to me. And, uh, you know, just, a, just another reason why people need to work harder to find new ideas, you know, new, new names and, and whatever. It's, it's just really funny. So, um, you got this tour coming up in, uh, in you were saying June and July. Is yeah. that the entire U S or, you know, what's the story with that? Are no, it's pretty short. It's just a couple weeks. It's kind of like, um, up to Chicago over through, through Eastern Canada, uh, you know, up to like the major East coast cities. Um, because you know, we're a new band and I, and I didn't want to just sit around and wait, you know, that's not my way, uh, and sit around and wait for something to happen. And I knew that, um, if we played these, this fucking weekend of shows with Russian circles and then put out a seven inch and didn't play until someone asked us, then we'd probably never play. Nothing would ever happen. So, uh, we're, you know, we're just doing that just, uh, just to go and have fun and, um, you know, yeah, just, just do it. Just, just exist. You know, is it, uh, is it just you guys or you're out with somebody else or, you know? Yeah, it's just us. We, uh, we talked to some other people and, and there was a band that was, uh, going to go with us, this band called Vows, V-O-W-W-S. Mm -hmm. And, uh, we were kind of working out with them and then they, they were like, oh, uh, the cult is going to take us on tour at this time. <laughs> so we, we can't go. And I was like, Hey, yeah, go for it. You know, like can't fault you for that so, that, so yeah they're on tour with the cult good for them man <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and um are the dates uh are they, are they has this been announced like are the dates like up for people to check out yeah we just put them up uh we just released yesterday the video for always hell and uh we've got uh put the dates up with that so we're just kind of starting to get them out and there are a few more coming together uh it starts june 27th in chicago um, we're in Brooklyn and St. Vitus on July 3rd. So yeah, it'll be small. You know, I'm sure the shows will be, shows will be really small. It's just us and local bands. And, um, you know, I have no idea what the awareness of us, the photo crime is at this point, but it's gotta be pretty small. But, um, you know, I just want to play, you know, you know how it is. It's like, I, I don't, at this point, I don't really care if people are there. I mean, I just kind of want to get out there and, and do it. Yeah, dude. Unfortunately, I won't be here when you play in New York, man. I would. I was like, that's kind of what I was angling towards. Like when you got okay. when you play in Brooklyn, I was like, damn, I'm going to be out until like July 9th or so. Okay. And, um, but yeah, man, I, I'm really. My interest is like very, very high in checking you guys out live because I really, <laughs> cool. really love the four songs that I've heard so far. And, Great. Um, Thank you. Yeah, the, the, I, I checked out the video as well, and um. Oh right. So who who did the video for you? A guy named Joe Watson who lives in England, um, he was in a band called uh, Attack Vipers, and um, but I'm not sure if you know, he's just one of those people that kind of becomes like a fixture in your uh, 
your music world. You know, it's like, I'm not really sure when I met him. I think it might have just been because he was a fan and got in touch. Uh, I'm not really sure, but he he did uh, two Coliseum videos. He did a video for the song Love Under Will, mm-hmm. and then a video for uh, Detached, which was uh, the first song from the first Coliseum record. He did a video for it on the reissue. And uh, he's just a talented guy who's been really gracious to, to help me out uh, here and there and um, got in touch and said he wanted to do something else and had this concept that really... Uh, you know, we kind of bounce back ideas back and forth, and it. Uh, he came up with this this way of, of kind of having that split screen, like like two television type screens on on the uh, on the video that kind of show this this uh, this Cold War, you know, mid century f- fake American dream video, kind of with all the propaganda videos of of people you know, hiding under their desks and, you know, mushroom cloud, you know, atomic bomb testing, which is a big part of what uh, is inspiring me. Obviously, inspired the song Always Hell, that plus, like, the realities of now. Um, so it, it, it was really great, like, representation of, of the idea and vision for the song and, and for the band, which a lot of, like, stuff I'm influenced by is this kind of, like, 40s and 50s noir stuff and also I really really love uh, like Douglas Sirk movies I love the Technicolor melodramas for some reason I just like completely drawn in by them I just love Technicolor films you know from from those days like Hitchcock and all that stuff so um, so this is kind of in that concept like I feel like that stuff that that era of film and 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 uh, you know, novels and, and shit like that, like really ties in a lot to the, like the punk and post-punk and, and early electronic stuff that I am really influenced by musically. And so, um, am I, you know, I'm kind of in this thing of like skipping these decades and kind of tying it all together, uh, conceptually. I mean, I don't know how much that comes through, but that's like, that's the big, the big idea behind it. Yeah, I could see that definitely, you know, and, um, you know, just knowing like your material that you, you did in Coliseum, like you've always had sort of a, um, I, I, I hesitate to use the word political, but um, things like culture and, you know, politics in like a broader sense have always been, right. you know, and decisions like having like maybe like a personal politics on a personal level have been sort of big topics that you, you, you wrote about in your, in your songs. So is that yeah. it's the same sort of case with, with photo crime? Not intentionally so, but I just think those things are so, um, I mean, they're always so prevalent and they, they, they kind of shake you up and they just kind of come out because they're, they're in your head. Uh, you know, always hell, you know, in terms of, of more contemporary things, when it was written, it was, you know, of course, all this shit in Syria was going on, and the refugee crises there and, and everywhere else. Um, plus, of course, like the Obama administration, like endless drone drone strikes, and uh, all that's going on. And then, uh, and also, you know, the Obama administration deported you know record numbers of, of illegal immigrants in the states. So uh, all that was kind of 
those were the contemporary things in my mind with Always Hell mixed with that musical influence that, that kind of really comes from from British and European post-punk and electronic that in my mind is just black and white. You know, it's like Wings of Desire, you know, shit like that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I can't even imagine those things in color in a way and then tied in with all the like the 40s and 50s stuff that, that really moves me. So it kind of comes out, but the idea, is not to be a political band because I think any time a, a tag is settled on me, I, I try to shake it off. Um, so the rest of the material that I've written is um, some of it is kind of political and um, you know social, socially political, and a lot of it's personal. And um, I don't know. I, I try not to get too focused on one thing, but um, just kind of let it go wherever it goes. But um, sometimes it does kind of end up being, um, you know, grand scope things. It's funny, like with this kind of music, I think that so much of it is kind of detached, like the, the, the bands that maybe I'm inspired by, but I just can't do that. Like I, I try, but I, I just have like an earnestness that it's kind of impossible for me to shake it off. And it's kind of one of those things that when you kind of assess yourself in your own art, you're, you're kind of like, fuck, I wish I could be that guy who's just a little more detached in his, his subject matter and his, uh, in his delivery. But it, it just, it just doesn't work for me. It's just not who I am. Oh yeah, definitely, man. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've played, I don't know, many, many shows with several of your bands <laughs> and like, I definitely know the deal with you, man. It's like you're you're not someone who you, you never come off as being detached. Like there's always yeah. like a very personal like your personality is always very front and center with everything. And people understand like kind of where you're coming from right away. Yeah, and that's I mean that's that's good except there are times when you feel overexposed and uh, there are times with Coliseum where I felt like it was overly earnest and overly gracious in my attempt to be appreciative for the things we accomplished and for the people that supported us and for the bands we played with. And, um, sometimes you just start to feel a little bit too exposed. I mean, especially like, I mean, honestly, every single Coliseum record, there are extremely personal exposed things. And I'm trying to step back from that a little bit. Um, and that's part of, uh, that's part of the concept with this is, is to let it be a little more of a separate vision and separate identity. Um, but of course there are things that, that are personal to me that will come through. I mean, that's just who I am. That's awesome. Yeah. Knowing, knowing you and that you're a big fan of films, um, the video medium just def- definitely seems something that would really work well with photo crime. So do you have plans to do more videos? Not currently. Uh, that's another thing that I kind of learned from with Coliseum is that the last two Coliseum records, I, I, I wanted to do song- videos for every song. Yeah. And both of them, I got kind of close. I mean, I think uh, Sister Faith, I'm not sure, five or six, and five or six at least on Anxiety's Kiss. But... The more of that shit you do, the less people pay attention and the less impact it has. And um, as you know, there's so much that you do as an artist and musician that um, you put a lot of yourself into it and, and ask a lot of other people to do 
with you or for you for, for practically no money or, or no money at all. And then the reaction sometimes doesn't justify the effort put into it. Like, you know, I did a, we did a Coliseum remix record that I'm really proud of. I mean, there's like remixes from, uh, from Justin Broderick, from Atsuo of Boris, uh, Jay Robbins, Cold Cave, a bunch of people. And, uh, in that I did a, a DVD that came for free with the record and it's like has all the videos we ever did up to that point uh, uh, like a, a public television kind of mini documentary episode on us oh, like wow. all sorts of shit every every bit of visual stuff that you know video stuff we've done up to that point and it's a really cool package and uh, I mean I swear to God I never got one fucking response from that from anybody <laughs> i mean i i you know i think i even like my bandmates i think one of them was like oh yeah i watched that it's cool <laughs> you know, and so you do that and you're like well what's the fucking point you know i spent a lot of money on it and a lot of effort and it means something to me and of course that's the that's the goal but um so with with this i'm not i'm not um i'm not anxious to kind of overload people with stuff i, I feel like it comes naturally when it comes and you know it's really hard for me to not go overboard you know it's like i want to make a video for every fucking song on the seven inch and i want to you know i want to do all this stuff but um i also want the things that i do to have more impact and sometimes i think less is a little more yeah and i follow you on that you know yeah i kind of tend to be the same way like i would love to do videos for everything and, and have like a you know some sort of storyline that you know weaves its way through all the videos but yeah you're right there's like you have to balance out time and budget versus actual impact i guess right i mean it's it's that's a it's a shitty place to be but that's the reality of a small artist and that's you know whenever i dream of being someone who has like more success in music it's usually not about money it's usually about being able to do more things it's like fuck, I, I wish that, you know, not that I necessarily want to work with this person, but, you know, I, I have, like, the Depeche Mode DVD and all the films they made with Anton Corbin, and I'm like, man, that is that is great. That's a great long-term collaboration, like, great imagery. Like, those are the things you want to do, like, a, a cooler stage show and bring bands on tour that you really love and um, and and those kind of things, like, that, that ability as a larger artist to do whatever the fuck you want to do is is so appealing because you know you're always hindered by your time and your your uh, ability and your finances and, and and what the audience size is because sometimes it just doesn't warrant going to these extremes but uh, those are certainly dreams I have you know have you ever you know once again I know how much you love film. And, you know, there's been several, uh, you know, videos that you've done. You know, did the idea of ever getting into film ever interest you? Like, did you ever think about learning how to edit or any of those kinds of things? You know, it does. I mean, it did. Um, I did a couple of Coliseum videos and there, my uh, camera access was like pretty limited. And so they're, I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're very raw and rough, but um, they're fun to do. And, and there are, well, there's a friend of mine, um, who died a few years ago named Jason Noble, who was in Rodan and uh, Shipping News and uh, Rachel's. And he was like kind of the the most inspirational person that I've ever known. And that, that, that 
certainly anyone who ever knew him, I think that you could easily say that about him because he never stopped creating. And he made uh, some short films himself that were like pretty avant-garde, you know, art films. And, uh, and he and I were, that's where we really connected. Like he had cancer and when he was sick, I would come pick him up and take him to movies and we'd go see anything from, I remember seeing Hannah together, which we loved. And, uh, but then we'd see shit like we saw one of the final dance destination movies and you know, we just kind of yeah. see whatever was playing that day. And it was really fucking awesome. Um, but he and I talked a lot about that stuff. And, and I think it was during that time that I kind of felt like, man, you know, what if I had gone into film? What if as a kid, I'd really understood, thought more about what goes into being a film filmmaker is and what a director is. And I enjoy film, but it wasn't more maybe to my like late teens and, and really into my twenties that I got really, really into it. And, uh, I don't have any regrets, but certainly sometimes you think, well, what if I just put all my time and energy into that versus music? And, um, but those things are also generally require a lot more money oh, and yeah. a lot more people to be involved. Mm -hmm. And there's something about music where you can like, like with this, you can create it yourself. You can you can really do it entirely yourself to a certain extent, or with one or two other people, and you don't need that much money um, to just make the music and play a show. You really don't need any fucking money, and uh, besides having the equipment, and that is beautiful. And that's something that like is kind of you know music and maybe painting or whatever. You know, there's a few few forms of art that you can just fucking do it with nothing else and you don't, you can do it with no money and you don't have to have financing and all that kind of shit. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've thought about it. It is certainly a dream I've had at times. And, you know, I was thinking, uh, when you asked me to do this, like, you know, you certainly have been a person that has been like, uh, influential in my life in terms of like things I've been open to in, in film and talking about things like, you know, I remember coming to your apartment and watching like, aftermath you know, oh, yeah. you know like <laughs> 4 a.m you know or yeah. like you know shit like that I, you know um so uh it's certainly like hugely hugely big in my life and uh that's something i would i would hope with photocrime i would love for like this stuff to be used in films and licensed in films or if i ever had the opportunity to do soundtrack work or something like that i would i would really love to do that kind of stuff yeah, soundtracks and scores, man. That's like the hardest job to get because it doesn't exist, man. Like right, it's not right. like like people just get that gig, you know. It's not like there's like, oh yeah, we need a guy to score a film and let's put an ad out, you know. It's like no, you get tapped by somebody to do that work. You can't. It's like it's like getting struck by lightning or something, you know. Yeah, for sure. You know, like you just end up doing that gig, you know. Um, speaking of films, man, did you see The Void? I did, yeah, yeah. And what's your uh, what's your reflections on that movie? You know, I I think I'm maybe too critical. I, I thought it looked great. I I loved the effects work, and I really liked the visuals of the ending. Like I loved the big, you know, illuminated triangle that's kind of you know opening up to whatever this other reality dimension. And I thought that the guy like the skinless guy was really cool in that hellraiser way but i thought the story kind of lacked like after it was over i kind of thought what was the story they were trying to tell with this you know um 
but I really love the visuals, and I actually liked the like the full CGI scapes. You know, whenever they were kind of cut to that, mm-hmm. like I thought that looked really, really beautiful. Um, but I, I did, I did kind of wish there had been a stronger story to tell. I, I like the movie a lot, and the, the sort of I guess someone also who enjoyed Beyond the Black Rainbow, which almost has no story really. Right, that was right. like something that was kind of like secondary to delivering on certain aspects of the movie that I was looking forward to. And uh, like we all went out to see it at like a midnight showing and it was like, okay. the coolest night I've had in a long time was watching that movie. That's great. And it was at this place called Nighthawk Cinema in Brooklyn, which is similar to like the Alamo Theater or whatever that's down in Austin where there you can like, there's like a table and there's room and you can order food and drinks and all this sort of stuff. And um, so the environment was really cool. And like, I just, I was really stoked on it. You know, just the subject matter of like this kind of cosmic, you know, HP Lovecraft, like a Lovecraftian vibe to it. And then the references to like all the other, you know, 80s horror films, you know, was, was just something I was like really, really stoked on. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I thought it, I definitely thought it looked wonderful, you know, for sure. Like that's, it's something that I'm, Sometimes I, I wonder, especially with, I mean, I'm the same way with music for sure, but I sometimes wonder if I'm just too critical with film. Um, uh, I don't know. Some, sometimes after a while, like maybe if I saw that a few more times, I might just let it go and I'd love it. Like I was talking with someone about Prometheus the other day, which is like has terrible plot holes and the plot oh, yeah. is kind of a fucking mess. But I love that movie. I watch it over and over because I just love how it looks and I love being in that that realm um even though it's not it's not comparable to the original alien which is like a perfect film um so it's it's hard for me sometimes to let that go uh, and let like let expectations go as yeah. well you know yeah. you know alien itself i mean even compared to the uh, sequels i mean that it's a standalone film man like there was never meant to be anything coming after that movie i felt like you know what i mean right right and, um you know like aliens you know the second film in that set of, of films was fun but clearly not the same type of movie you know what i mean and um no, yeah you know like prometheus is even more like protracted away from that original vibe you know what i mean and i think that that movie actually could have been just a, a film that had no tie-in to alien you know what i mean i agree yeah it could have just Absolutely. been about like panspermia or something like that you know or some you know other other type of story storyline but um, but yeah, I, I the second time I saw Prometheus is when I really liked it. The first time I saw it in the theater, I was like, eh. But then I watched it again, and I was like, yeah, this is actually a cool story, you know, even though there are yeah. like flaws or whatever. There's like two other horror films I saw recently that were really cool. There's um, a movie called The Black Coat's Daughter. Have you heard of that? I have. But I have not seen it. I recommend that one. And then there's another film. It's uh, an IFC midnight film called A Dark Song which is, okay. um, that came out of nowhere. It's like I didn't even hear about it, and then suddenly it, it existed, and I heard about it through word of mouth, and I watched it, and it was a great movie. Probably, I'm a, I have another podcast that does all just horror films, and that yes. is yes, probably going to be one of my top picks for 2017 is is this A Dark Song movie. What, uh, what is the story on it? Well, that one, it's um, it has to do with this woman who her her um her son is killed 
and she contacts this, um, you know, uh, someone involved in the occult and like ritual magic and all this sort of stuff to, um, you know, it's unclear initially what her intentions are. Once she's saying, well, I just want to, you know, see my son. And then there's like, well, I want revenge. And then there's all these factors that play into that. And for a while, you don't really, you get the sense that there's just two maniacs like in a house somewhere in the English countryside or the Welsh countryside, just like completely unhinged. Like for most of the movie, you kind of feel that there's really nothing going on. And it's, it's, it's cool because, you know, there's, that's like a big topic these days is like what your mind actually manifests and the power of intention and that sort of thing. So I don't know. It was a really cool film. It was like really well done. The acting was, was like, you know, excellent. And, um, it was kind of like this slow build-up, like a slow burn type of film, and it had this pretty, you know, climactic ending. Okay. The ending actually is one of, is like somewhat kind of a flaw in my opinion because it gets a little too supernatural in some ways. Mm-hmm. But um, but a black code's daughter, in my opinion, if talking about slow burns, like that movie, very totally atmospheric and like very slow moving, and. Um, yeah, just like a great movie, man. And and some people didn't like it. It's like I, I've read a bunch of different reviews, and uh, they've been very mixed on it. But I, I think that's another great film. But but I, I appreciate something that's slow moving, like where you have to de- devote attention to it. And that's kind of like what the Black Coat's Daughter is. It's like a movie that you, you know, you can't like look on your phone and you know like things right. on Instagram while you're watching the movie. You actually have to pay attention, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of my favorite type of movie. You know, I mean, I almost put like movies into categories, but I have like a, you know, like outback kind of movies, yeah, <laughs> my, totally. you know, like uh walkabout and, uh, uh, wake and fright, you know, and I put Badlands. Badlands might be my favorite movie. Like that kind of just like person out or people out in kind of the middle of nowhere dealing with, the darkness in themselves, you know, uh, really, really resonates with me. Um, I saw the movie raw recently. Did you see that? No, I haven't. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's ostensibly a French cannibal movie. Um, but it was kind of less of a horror movie and, and more of a, like coming of age horrors of leaving high school and going to college. Uh, but like very, very great art film, you know, just looked great, had, had moments that were really Kubrickian, um, you know, some kind of like long, long pull in shots and, uh, but also involved cannibalism and finding a taste for human flesh. And it was like, it was a really good movie that was not, not what I expected and not really as advertised, but kind of, kind of better for it. It was great. Yeah, I actually read um, a bunch of reviews about that film because I mean I'm a subscriber to that you know Rumoric magazine, which is like okay. one of my favorite. I, I like look forward to the day that I go down to my mailbox and that magazine shows up. It's like yeah. the greatest. It's like okay, cool. Now I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> I'm gonna read this magazine, and right. um, they they covered that film pretty well. And I'm like definitely interested in seeing it. Like it looks like a it sounds like a really cool film. Yeah, it was great. It was it was just like it was gorgeous and, and kind of yeah like very very uh very well planned and well executed movie i thought so um the seven inches out and uh 
you know, what, what, how can, can people just mail order it from you or like how, how's the, what's the whole mechanism behind getting this to people? Um, I'm kind of keeping it relatively simple right now. Um, it's, you know, you can order it from, from our site, which is photocrime.com, you know, F-O-T-O-C-R-I-M-E, which, uh, you know, our, our online store from, from our site is, is my site, surekiller.com. So it's, it's on there. It's on Bandcamp, Photocrime, uh, and I'm sending. I just sent it out to some stores that I like around the country. Just uh, actually, just like didn't even like not even looking for like money or invoices. I just was like, here's a few copies. You know, we're gonna be in your town on the tour this time. Like, I go to this store. You know, I know record stores for the most part because I travel a lot and tour a lot. So um, I'm just kind of trying to get it here and there, but not get all of the records that I press tied up in distribution and never getting paid for them and stuff like that. So, um, you know, the death wish site ordered it and so you can get it there. And, uh, that's kind of it right now. I mean, yeah, mainly from us and then at shows and, um, just taking it from there. I mean, in a way like a seven inch, it's kind of like, it's almost like proof of concept, you know, it's like sure. just it, this exists and I'm not, it's, you know, it's a fucking seven inch. So you're not going to make a bunch of money on it. And that's not really the goal. The goal is to like share, share the existence of this band and these songs with people. And, um, you know, obviously anybody that buys it helps me not completely lose my ass on it, you know, but, um, yeah, so it'll be stores here and there, but you know, the best way is always certainly like directly from me. Or go to one of these shows and pick one up, man, for sure. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Probably that probably is the best way of doing it. And you get to experience oh, the band sure. live. And uh, do you guys have, um, you know, have the songs premiered anywhere? As I know the video I saw is on my sometime employer, uh, Clairvoyant, has yeah, uh, um, has the video. They did the video and then the uh, the, the song that the video's for uh, came out prior to that on Impose.com. And then uh, I don't think we'll do any, like, premieres for the B-side tracks, Um I know that uh, like BBC Radio One is playing uh, Plate Glass Eyes, which is one of the B-side songs uh, this weekend. So that'll kind of be its like first public performance, uh, you know, or whatever, like premiere. Um, so yeah, for I me, mean, from here, we're just kind of—I don't know—just going to hit the pavement when we can and hope that uh, hope some kind souls take us out for some shows, you know, see what happens. So now is there any, do you, you know, you mentioned that you had uh, another body of work, basically another LP, and is there any anything you can talk about regarding that as far as like maybe down the line being a photo crime, long playing record available to people, or is that something that you're still in the preliminary phases of? Yeah, it's pretty far off. I mean, um, and it's it's kind of weird because, like I said, you, you do all this material, and um, that's the stuff that... I think is the most fully formed and the most um, has the most identity and, and um, is the, is maybe the least derivative. Um, so it's kind of interesting to have all this stuff done and no one's heard it. And um, I don't know that like, I mean, it's certainly within the same realm as the stuff on the seven inch, but there's some stuff that's a bit more pop. There's some stuff that uh, has no guitars, like, like just bare, like, you know, maybe a little guitar texture, but it's like 
more entirely electronic um, and, and not really in the way that uh, Tectonic Shift, which is the last song on the seven inch, it's not, it's kind of like dark and droning as that. There's like some, some more like, I don't know, you know, almost danceable kind of material. So um, I'll be interested to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share that stuff with people. And, and the best way to really see that is like to go see us play because that's most of the material we're playing because that's most of what we have. And um, just looking for the right home for the record you know i mean of course i have like idealized dreams of, of what it could do or where it could go and we'll just see what happens you know and if probably if the right thing doesn't come along uh might just do it myself you know um which is appealing as well just kind of hold things on your own is always kind of nice too so we'll just we'll just see but uh, i'm really stoked in the material and i, I think that the Always Hell 7-inch is like a, a really great starting point and like a great transition. If, if you liked Coliseum, you can probably follow by, you know, listening to this record. And then when the new stuff comes out, which is a bit farther on the path of what Photocrime is doing, you know, it's, it's a good good way to kind of get you there. But, um, you know, hopefully, obviously, it's reaching people that aren't that aren't only Coliseum fans. That's That's the... You're trying to do that as well, find new people. Oh yeah, totally, man. I think that even if you'd never heard Coliseum, that there's plenty there for people that maybe don't even get into like heavier music um, would appreciate, you know, Photocron. I think that, you know, th there's a lot there to get into, man. And it's like very much, um, like you don't even have to say, oh yeah, X Coliseum. I know that stuff helps to sell the records, but it's like, it's not just only an extension of that. It's something, in my opinion, a brand new thing. And to me, someone who is familiar with all your all of your work, really, um, it seems like an extension. But if you'd never heard of Coliseum and you just happened upon Photo Crime, good good for you, you know. And that's yeah even better, you know what I mean. I think that there's like you don't have to have that background in Coliseum to appreciate the music on you know Photo Crime. Of course, I mean that's and that's it's. I think that the people that follow what I've done are going to follow me, you know, the, the, like the, the diehard fans. And when you're starting something new, part of you wants to just say like, you know, as bands often do, like, oh, I don't want members of and all this kind of <laughs> stuff. But, you know, especially when you're doing it myself, I have to reach out to the people that have supported me. And I really appreciate that, that I do have whatever this, you know, number of people that are that, that follow my music and follow Coliseum and, and stick with me to something new. But ultimately I'm not trying to, to talk, do that. And like even doing interviews, it's like, I know that I got to talk about Coliseum and especially with you because we have a lot of history together. It's something that's natural, but, um, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm happy for the time that comes when, when that can just be what it was and it, it stays and I don't talk about it you know, every time, you know, you're always happier to talk about like the current and the future, but sometimes you have to kind of sum up and wrap up the past as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, I just use Coliseum as like a reference point, really just in, even in this little show here, because, um, you know, it's conceivable that people that listen to this are fans of Coliseum, you know, but for me personally, I mean, I've known you for two decades and you're not just Ryan from Coliseum. You're Ryan from my friend from Louisville. And, you're Ryan, the guy I've known for 20 years that plays, that writes music constantly and is always pushing himself forward. So it's like, 
you know, for me, it's just a trope. You know, all right, cool. The last band that you guys might have checked out by you is Coliseum. You know, it's just a reference. Yeah. Just jumping off point, really, you know. For sure. I mean, that's, that's, uh, yeah, you and I, like, we go back through, through many, many bands. And that's, and that's, I mean, as I've told you before, like, that's something I appreciate about our friendship and history is that a lot of people you're friends with, you kind of connect with them when you're in kind of like a, you know, certain bands kind of end up in certain scenes or sects and you, you maybe connect with somebody into that. Then when you do something that's slightly different in style, you sometimes maybe don't, those people don't follow you or they don't, don't, you don't see them as much. I mean, obviously from years of touring, you and I could count on hundreds of people that we have toured with and, and probably thought we were going to be buds with forever oh yeah and then when those bands end you never fucking see that person again and that was something that took me a long time to like get over sometimes i would kind of be like well fuck i thought that guy was my pal you know (laughs) but it it makes you really appreciate the people like you that 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 transcend all that and it's and it's like a friendship first and the music is something we do and support each other you know whenever possible but it's not like it's not like we're just trapped by these bands or these moments where, where like it's an overarching connection as friends yeah totally man and it's like there's even people that i've played in bands with that disappear <laughs> like you know yeah. and you're like man what about all those like years we spent driving around the country in a van together and now i you know i never see you again, ever you know even though we don't really live that far apart from each other and never run into each other you know it's weird right it is it is truly weird yeah but anyway, Ryan, thanks for uh, taking time out for this, and um, you know, I'm I'm hoping to check you guys out someday soon. Um, unfortunately, it won't be on July 3rd here at St. Vitus in Brooklyn. But uh, but yeah, people. Once again, if people want to look at these dates, they're up on on the website. Yeah, they're on a uh, photocrime.com, and then you you know go to any one of the other billions of outlets that people must have, and they're all they're all there. Cool. And I got the 7-inch in the mail today, and I'm probably going to give it a couple of spins tonight. And um, so, yeah, man, thanks thanks a lot for your time, man. I appreciate it, and good luck with everything moving forward. Oh, man, thank you. It was, it was great to, to talk and catch up a bit. Cool. And thanks for listening out there. Break, disassemble at the stroke of noon. 